We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. everybody to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex gold and i'm joined by the president of the jermaine o'neill fan club and now the jairus walker fan club it is michael j Fachi. Fachi, what's going on brother hey those are two fan clubs i take with great pride leading alex man i'm still still running wild off of that draft it just feels like there's a great buzz around the pacers right now and you just know more moves are yet to come no and that's the good thing and we're going to talk about all that today because we have a mailbag podcast for you. We have 22 questions coming at you. Going to release this as a part one, part two, because we want to make sure that you get all that content. So how we're going to do that is Sunday night around probably eight o'clock, you're going to get part one. And then 12 hours later, about eight o'clock on Monday morning, you're going to get part two. So want to make sure we get that up to you before anything crazy happens on Monday. So you know that we recorded this on Sunday evening. But with that being said, Fachi, uh, anything you want to add before we jump into this? No, just a good old-fashioned mailbag. It just feels like right now, coming off the draft, prior to free agency, this is when there's just so many questions going around. And sometimes, you know, the, the idea of who we could sign ends up being a little bit better than who we do sign. But this year, going into free agency, Pacers have top five amount of cap space. They have assets. It just feels like this could be a busy offseason. I know we said it last year, but the Pacers did offer – the biggest restricted free agent offer and in, in, you know biggest offer sheet in NBA history. So they tried. Well, this time around, I'm very anxious to see what they do. I'm anxious to hear what you guys think. And uh, some of these questions are very interesting. For sure, for sure. So, all right. I think you're doing odds for this episode and I'm yep. doing even. So let's start off with you, Fletch. All right. We have Chase. He said, how high are you on Ben Shepard? I wasn't aware of him when watching the draft, but after watching some of his film and his media interviews over the last couple of days, I love him on this team, and he could be a great rotational guy next year. 
Yeah, I will say he is a super likable guy. He's got plenty of upside to his game. You know, what we saw from Belmont, an incredible shooter with solid defense. Um, so right now the rotation is a bit crowded, so he's going to have to earn it. I think if he does, though, Carlisle will give him the minutes, and he's going to earn it by being very good defensively. So for me right now, it's just a little bit too hard to have high expectations for rookies getting playing time, specifically when they're selected late in the first, right? But once again, last season, Andrew Nemhard was slated to be the third-string point guard and became a starter. So you can't put a ceiling on what his role will be. He's going to earn it, though. Um, thought it was interesting, though, as well, Faji, he did say on his interview with JMV that they did on Friday. Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard joined JMV on the radio he basically said, yeah, he said, I feel like I can guard ones and twos and maybe some threes. So I think he's more of a guy that's going to guard ones and twos. Doesn't feel, you know, super confident about guarding threes. It depends on the matchup. But yeah, that's a that's something to keep an eye on as well. And that's a good point, because look, I mean, the threes, whoever he was guarding at Belmont, those threes are going to be a little bit different than NBA threes. But <laughs> I still feel good knowing, hey, he can guard one and two. But look, to your point on, on Ben Shepard, Chase, initially, not going to lie, I really wasn't too high on him. Didn't really know that much about him other than this guy could shoot. So when the draft <laughs> was rolling around, Leonard Miller, Bryce Sensabaugh, I, I felt they had higher ceilings. However, the Pacers made it known that their scouts had been on Ben Shepard dating back to his freshman year and then were really intrigued with him after his junior year. He was... He dropped 25 points on 8 of 10 shooting to end the combine to, you know, lead that game. And then also, look, the three-point percentage has improved by nearly 5% each and every year of college. So I really do, do think that he's a top three to five shooter in this draft. And then I think he offers more defensively than like a Doug McDermott or a Buddy Heald in the past because this guy's not just a three-point shooter. But Alex, you brought up some, some awesome stats on just – how accurate he is, especially when he's wide open, or how good he moves without the ball. So I feel like this is great insurance for if the Pacers are to move on from a Buddy Heald or Chris Duarte. But as it relates to great rotational guy next year, that remains to be seen. I don't want to rule it out. But in the future, Ben Shepard is definitely playing into the Pacers' hands. I think we'll definitely get a chance to see him some throughout the year. Injuries okay. always happen, and I think Carlisle will try to you know, maybe for like a five-game stretch, try to get him some minutes as the backup two or something like that just to see how he does because they want to see these guys play and they want to see what they got, and you can't tell if they're not playing. So that, to me, is one thing I have liked about the Carlisle regime, Pachi, is that he tries to give guys opportunities when maybe they haven't mm -hmm. had it in a while. Um, injuries have always kind of helped that a little bit, but I think also we've seen, you know, them decide to, okay, let's give some of these young guys a little bit of a chance here to kind of prove what they got, and who knows how the season's going to play out. But, yeah, I, I like him. So let's move on to our next question here. Sam Colbertson said, are you happy that we picked Ben Shepard with the 26th pick? And with us picking him, what do you think that means for some of the other guards on the roster? Are they gone, or do we keep them and someone rides the bench? Curious your thoughts. You know, just mentioned before, look, he wasn't my top choice. However, I think he was a smart choice. Shooting's always going to be needed in this league, and he was coming off an all-defensive conference selection, so that's always nice to see. He's a solid playmaker, former point guard. I think this selection, like I mentioned, insurance for for buddy Duarte, depending on what happens with them but shooters get paid and it's great to have him on a real cheap contract given the timeline of this team over the next few years when they are looking to make those moves compared to a guy like buddy healed who's making you know 19 20 million dollars a year to be able to have ben shepherd on, on a cheap, cheap contract after you max out tyrese halberton when you're looking to pay a benedict matherin in addition to whoever else you bring in i think that's going to be fantastic 
Yeah, I'll just say this. I wasn't surprised by the pick because if you had looked at any mock drafts, there have been a few out there that had him mocked to the Pacers mm-hmm. at 26. So you kind of like when you see a guy mocked to the Pacers, you kind of think, is there intel to this? Is this just a guess? Okay, what do I need to know about Ben Shepard? Um, you know, so I think he's he's got a chance to be a good player in this league, though. He's just got to need the opportunity. So like you said, uh, Sam, asking about the number of guards and things we have here, I just anticipate there's going to be some call and consolidation at the two spot and probably at the five spot with how this summer goes about. They got four centers right now and really one power forward in Jairus Walker, but they have two other guys you could play at that position, preferably uh, Aaron E. Smith and Jordan Wara. I really don't want to see Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson play the four. Uh, no. I, I would be intrigued by Isaiah playing some next to Miles, but like we've not seen it yet, so I think they're pretty sold on him being a five. But I'll just say this. Fachi, you asked Kristen Peak when we were uh, when we had her on before the draft about a player that could maybe be this year's Jalen Williams of the draft. Mm-hmm. And she threw up a law Kulabali as one of the names, but then she also said Ben Shepard. She wasn't sure if she did. Kulabali was going to be playing or not. He could be a draft and stash, but I think he's probably going to play for Washington based on where he got picked and what their roster looks like. But she basically said Ben Shepard. I mean, he's kind of one of those under the radar guys from a small market, uh, not small market, but a, you know, mid-major school. And that's makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, me and Fachi were both kind of lukewarm on the selection. We're like, okay, Leonard Miller was there. I think if Leonard Miller hadn't been there, I think we probably both would have been a little bit more excited just because you talk yourself into certain players, right? But Ben Shepard, he's a very likable guy. I think he's going to be a good player for this team. Just don't know how big of a role he has right away. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Short term, okay, it, it could be a little bit tough. But you mentioned what we went through with Nemhard makes you feel like anything could happen. And part of the, the thing about Leonard Miller is we honestly thought that he'd be drafted in the teens, mm. if not a top 20 pick. So to see him there at 26, that was a bit surprising. And I know that on a you know, locked on big board, Rafael Barlow was talking about how Leonard Miller was one of the the fallers in the draft. But a guy like Ben Shepard obviously put together a really good combine. He's a bit more seasoned. It's good that if the Pacers had gone with two freshmen, you know, in the first round, it probably would have been like, mm, you know, these guys need a little bit more time. But we saw a guy like Nemhard who did play four years in college. Came in a little bit more NBA ready than a few other rookies, and it paid off big time. So I'm excited about that experience from Ben Shepard. For sure, for sure. Let's move on to question three. All right, question three. We have friend of the show, Rooster. He said, what do you think the best return of a player we could get for a package of Duarte, Tice, Buddy, and a couple of firsts would be? Yeah, no, this is a really good question because I had to think long and hard about what this combination could get us, Fachi. In the first place my mind went to, I said, not sure uh, there's a great package out there for this. Agreed. I said, maybe Tobias Harris. I mean, I know that we saw the leak about what they were asking from the Cavaliers. I think that's just a bunch of cap. I don't buy that. I think that it was more so like, we're not trading you one of our players for nothing. Um, you're uh, in the same conference as us. You're in the same like range as us in terms of like total of win numbers competing. So we're not just going to give you Tobias for nothing. So that's amazing why I think they ask for such a heavy price just because they're like, yeah, we're not dealing with you. So that's what's going to take Cleveland if you want to deal with us. That's how I feel about it. I still think Tobias Harris is very much available. So that to me is why I said that. But I also said um, another potential option would be maybe a sign-in trade for Kyle Kuzma with maybe someone like Denny Avdia coming over in that trade. 
interesting. Uh, you know, but that I don't but, love that for first though. That's the hard part. Like yeah, throwing in the that, first, it's like what first are we throwing in there? <laughs> you know? That is exactly where I started my answer by saying a couple of firsts is a loose term. How many firsts are there protections? I don't know. But look, I think what you could probably land is exactly what you mentioned. Tobias Harris, as the money adds up, buddy, about $19 million. Tice, right around nine. Duarte, look, salary adds up. You got the first. Okay, sure. But that still feels like an overpay. Do I want to pay two first round picks? You know, Duarte, buddy, Tice, whatever, for a guy who's going to be a free agent next year? No, Mm -hmm. I really don't. Then I started going around because I didn't want to have a boring answer. And I was like, okay, John Collins could be had, but that's an overpay. Yeah, and I'm then, not giving up two firsts for John I, Collins either. Yeah, that's the problem. The first one here makes us hard. It, it The first changes everything because then I was like, okay, is there anyone you can land? It's like, well, I'm sure the Nets are dying to get Ben Simmons off there, but I'm not trading multiple first-round picks for Ben Simmons at this point. Yeah. So he started just going down there, and I just feel like now that that seventh overall pick is off the table as it's been used for Jairus Walker, it gets really tough because – Tice, Dorte, let's be honest, not really viewed as very positive assets at this time or value-wise, they're not great. So you look at Buddy as an expiring, okay, but the first, I just don't know what package is truly out there that would be this great deal for the Pacers. So I think they should hold on to their firsts until the right player becomes available because I didn't even include OG in this because clearly the Pacers have tried to get him. The asking price is still too high. And then if you're going to wait to the deadline, it doesn't even make sense at that point. Just wait until he's a free agent, which will be next season. Yeah, it just felt like for this specific question, there wasn't really an answer. I mean, as crazy as that sounds. Didn't want to force one. Yeah, because like you combine all those salaries, you're talking about thirty some million dollars. Yep. So should be a know, star. <clears throat> someone that went out to me was like, "Okay, what about DeAndre Ayton?" Well, it's like, okay, I kind of see that, but why would you do that if you already have Turner? So that doesn't make any sense. So you, you just kind of go through process of elim- elimination, thinking of players that make around that type of money that could be available for a very underwhelming package, <laughs> you know, with a couple of picks. You know, I thought like Pascal Siakam is someone that does make a little bit of sense because he's on an expiring, maybe. A, you know, give them two first and some other contracts they could look at, but they're not getting rid of Pascal. So it's nope. like, that's why it's like Tobias Harris is the only name that made any sense because he does help you win. He's a good player. Yeah. Um, And he would definitely be a nice consolidation. Now, if you could put like lottery protections on those picks, then yeah, I think that's probably the most realistic. John Collins, I wouldn't want to do that either just because nope. of how much money he's owed. And then you look at, do the, do the Hawks really want to take on three players in one trade? So <clears throat> that to me is like, okay, this... That's where it gets tough. So the only one I could think of was like, okay, maybe you overpay Kuzma for like a two-year deal. Um, and then you include Denny Avdia in there. So you're getting two young players for, you know, three guys that maybe not are a part of the rotation plus two picks, depending on the protections, that kind of thing. But I was like, I still don't love that. So I yeah. just, at the end of the day, Flash, I just couldn't find one that I really thought made sense. I couldn't, and I know it might sound kind of lame, Rooster, but look, we just couldn't find, like, oh, this guy can be had for the right price. It just felt like kind of a little bit of an overpay when there's so many guys that are scheduled to, well, they could opt out in a year, and then it just feels like all the assets that we had been accumulating are now gone. And I think that if you really want to bring in one of those needle movers, like a true all-star, it's hard to not include a guy like Nemhart or a Miles Turner or someone like that that's actually going to make a difference compared to Duarte at his lowest value. Tice not really viewed as a positive. 
somebody who has value. And then the first is just so, so hard to determine what they may be. Mm, yeah, for sure. So let's move on. Question number four, David Matillo said, who would be the perfect three next to Miles and Jarris? And yes, it is Paul George. Yeah. I mean, look, a younger Paul George, no doubt about it. I feel like that would be awesome. I mean, we, we've been there. We've seen it. We loved it. But a guy like Mikel Bridges would be a dream, but it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen. You're, you're, you stand no chance at getting a guy like Jason Tatum or, or Jimmy Butler. And then there's the OGs and, and the DeAndre Hunter that it feels like the Pacers have flirted with. And maybe they do pick up the phone again at some point. But, man, I mean, look, I've always liked a guy like Michael Porter Jr., but look, to trade for him, you can't trust that injury history and the $140 million owed to him. So it gets really tough in terms of like what real three could be out there and could be had because those are the guys that tend to be kind of franchise guys for the most part. Yeah, my initial thought was obviously Mikael Bridges, <laughs> perfect, perfect fit. Um, if not him, Brandon Ingram would also be a very nice fit here. Yes. And, and then you talked about Paul George. Well, if they could have traded up for Brandon Miller, that would have been nice. Um, oh, but yeah, those all feel kind of like untouchable or the Pacers don't have the assets to get them. In Great. terms of somewhat touchable, you mentioned it. Hunter, yeah, I mean, he's okay. Uh, the more yeah. I watch Hunter and think about him, the less I get excited about him. It's like all these Hawks players are trying to get rid of, like, they just don't really move the needle. <laughs> like, you know, it's they're fine. He won't players. be an all star. He, he doesn't have that in him. I think he has that, like, he's on that. Kind of tier of like OG where you're like a real good player that's not going to be an all-star and like you don't give up the seventh overall pick in that type of situation. Yeah. And I also put OG down, you know, it's like OG makes a lot of sense. Um, yes. Someone that could be a bit of a flyer. We've talked about him a little bit, obviously on this podcast, had his own episode about him, but Jonathan Kaminga, I don't know what the asking oh, yeah. price is for him, but I, I think I would like to try that out to see what he would look like at that starting small forward. Is it the perfect fit? That's on, uh, that's to be determined, but that's someone that I'd be willing to take a risk on someone like that. Well, here's the thing. You kind of got to feel like the asking price came down now that the draft passed. I mean, the Golden State wanted apparently, you know, roughly a top 10 pick. Obviously the draft has come and gone. Sure that they got off Jordan Poole's contract. Maybe that does influence things as, you know, Chris Paul will come off the books, not doesn't have a penny guaranteed past this year so maybe that does kind of free up and they still need to decide what they do with Draymond if Draymond leaves they're probably not giving up Kaminga so mm -hmm. it's it's kind of one of those tough spots where uh, if you want Jonathan Kaminga you might want to try and pick up the phone now but I feel like Golden State's probably not going to make a move until they resolve this Draymond situation because if Draymond's gone you know Kaminga is very valuable to them for sure for sure I would say the other the other player that could make sense Fachi is someone that's not going to be touchable, but he's an untouchable that would be perfect for this team. Jade McDaniels. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You I know. Tried. I know. I'm just saying like, I, I wanted to make sure I gave him a shout out though, for like perfect fits. Cause I think defensively yes. he could be really nice. Now I wonder about, you know, the playmaking and that kind of stuff. I, I think there's still more to be desired there with him, but as an overall player, man, that'd be some good defense on that team. I mean, I would feel pretty strong about that. Yeah, that, that, and that's the thing is like I wanted to try and find some two way guys like an OG or a Mikel Bridges, and they just the teams that have them they really just don't let them go, uh, and mm. that's why it just becomes really tough. So, look, you know, David, it, it's it's a 
fantastic question. We, we've been searching for that perfect three ever since Paul George left, and they're really hard to come by. You kind of have to either get them in the draft for the most part. Look, OG, Tatum, uh, those, those guys were, were drafted to those teams. Bridges, look look what happened. I mean, they got him by trading. You know, Kevin Durant got traded. So it's just, just like takes a lot. Paul George, I mean, it, it was a mega trade for Paul George for the Clippers to land him. So it takes a lot to get those guys unless you draft them personally. For sure. Let's move on to question five, Fachi. Question five, Aaron M. said, who will be the Pacers' top free agent signing this offseason? All right, this is going to be very underwhelming, but hear me out. Harrison Barnes on a two-year deal. I said the same thing. Listen, listen to me. You can afford to overpay him for two years and let him be your starting four. Then by the middle of his expiring contract, at the latest, you'll be able to slot Jairus into that spot. Look, expiring contracts are easier to move, and if Jairus takes a leap in his rookie season like Matherin, you can afford to move Harrison Barnes if you think that's what's best for the team. Last year, we saw Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray play together. I think Harrison Barnes can play the three or the four. So if you want to slot him in there at the three, you can play Jairus at the four. If you want to go a little bit smaller, you can play him at the four next to Miles. He stretched the floor. He's a really good shooter. I just feel like the two-year deal makes the most sense. He's a little bit older. He might want a four-year deal. But I'm probably overpaying for two years, like something like two for 60. And I know that sounds crazy, giving him $30 million a year. But you have the cap space to do it. Um, maybe maybe two for tw- maybe 28 a year, something like that. But I'm just saying you're going to have to probably overpay him to get him away from Sacramento. He's played with Carlisle, Halliburton, and Buddy Heald. It just makes a lot of sense to me to invest in him for two years while you still let Jarris kind of develop into that guy that you hope he can be. And then at that point, yeah, you just say, thanks, Harrison Barnes, for your service. You can either bring him back on a much cheaper deal, trade him, figure it out. But I just feel like he is the guy that makes the most sense. Yeah, two for 60 sounds wild, but I definitely understand that you're going to have to overpay. But here's the thing. I'm with you word for word. Harrison Barnes on a two-year deal because you can play the three or the four. He's that veteran that we need right now, especially when you're talking about, look, James Johnson was massive for this team. I don't see him come back. George Hill, look, right now the Pacers have one roster spot that they could really you know, look to fill. I don't think you could afford to use it on a guy who's not going to play that much. A two-year deal to me feels great, even if you have to overpay. I don't know if, if $20 million a year will get it done. Who knows? We'll wait, have to wait and see you know, how things go. But the Pacers are one of those teams that has, it's, you know, uh, Keith Smith reported say $32.2 million is what they're roughly expected to have. The Kings actually have more at 35.6, but I don't know if they're really going to look to re-sign Harrison Barnes. But when you look at some of those other guys, like a Kyle Kuzma, we heard Kuzma wants like $30 million a year. Uh-huh. So, and and I don't think he's going to take a two-year deal. I think he's going to want a four-year deal. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It just feels, either way, it feels like an overpay and you're not going to really, you know, it's not like you're going to get a lot of help defensively. Harrison Barnes at this point, I think just brings a little bit more to the table um, at this point in his career, because you max out Kuzma or anything like that. You kind of set in stone of, Hey, once we pay Halliburton and Matherin, this is what it is. So, and then you look at other guys like Cam Johnson, I'm intrigued. I really am. But I also do think that Cam Johnson is going to be one of the most coveted players in this free agent class. I think Harrison Barnes can be had. And I think he just, there's something about him that feels like the Pacers would have that interest as well. Well, there's just a lot of familiarity there with him and Buddy and Tyrese and Carlisle. It just seems like a seamless transition. If you bring him in, you won't have to worry about, you know, him fitting in with the group. He's one of those guys that, 
is a good leader. Yeah, he had some moments in in the playoffs where you're just like, okay, I'd like to see more from yeah. him. But I don't think you have to ask him to be anything special. Just no. fit into what we're trying to do and and help us, you know, take that step from being a lottery team to a playing team and just continue to develop toughness. And and if you're trying to get better defensively, he makes a lot of sense and. He can shoot the basketball too, Fachi. I think over like the last four seasons, he shot 37% or greater from three. Yep. So that is something that you really just got to keep an eye on. So um, let's keep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keep moving here. Question number six comes from Chris Weech. He said, who is your pie in the sky free agent? All the people saying trade for Paul George. Why not just try to go sign Chris Middleton instead of giving up assets for George? Plus, he's about a year and a half younger than Paul as well. Look, the fact that Middleton is opting out of a $40 million contract, like $40 million for next season, and was also involved in introducing their new head coach, makes me feel like he's not going anywhere. I really do think that Chris Milton will re-sign with the Bucs. He's also coming off of a solid injury. So that would be rough for the Pacers to give a max contract to Chris Milton and then have him not be the guy that he was in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Johnson, I think, is probably going to be towards the top of the list of like, man, and I think I would love to see him play the three or the four. There's other guys out there like P.J. Washington or like a Rui Hachimura. And you also got to remember one thing. Uh, the Pacers had interest in Rui. They were one of the teams that were in that final, you know, sending offers for Rui before the Lakers got him for three uh, three second round picks. And also, uh, the Lakers are going to be looking to sign Austin Reeves. Maybe they look to do another move elsewhere. I don't know if Rui's going to be someone they really look to retain. But either way, th- these aren't the biggest names. They're not Chris Middleton-esque. But a Cam Johnson, P.J. Washington, you know, it'd be fun. 
Yeah, man, I, I would be really intrigued by Austin Reeves <laughs> as the player for the Pacers. I think he can make a lot of sense here fit-wise. Good basketball IQ, really defensive-minded. Like I, I, I like the idea of him. I just know he's going to get overpaid probably. He will. So that could have been another one that we use for like a sign-and-trade type thing when we're talking about like what could we trade a package of Buddy, Tyson, Duarte for. Maybe they would do Reeves for that. I don't know if the Lakers would really want to do that. But um, anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, pie in the sky free agent for me. One guy, you said, I agree with Cameron Johnson. Does make a lot of sense. But he's restricted, like you said. Yep. I have a lot of suitors. I think the Nets want to bring him back. Mikel Bridges has been on record saying he wants them to bring him back. So I don't think they traded for him for the Kevin Durant trade not to bring him back. So that would make a lot of sense. The other name that you did mention that I think would be a really good fit here, but don't know if he will come here, and I probably won't, is Jeremy Grant. I, I think Jeremy Grant yeah. would be a great fit next to Miles and what we're mm -hmm. trying to do here. If they can overpay for him for like a two-year deal once again, like similar to Harrison Barnes, yeah, that would be great. I, I think he'd be a great fit. And I echo everything you said about Chris Middleton, nothing really more to add to it. Like, nah, this guy's staying in Milwaukee. They really value him, and his relationship with Giannis is a lot closer than people realize. So, I mean, he's been the backbone of that team, and when he's healthy with Giannis, like – He's the go-to guy at the end of games. So I think that Chris Middleton would be a great fit with the Pacers. I just don't think it makes any sense. So you probably would have a more likely chance of trading for Paul than you would signing Chris Middleton. I, I think so. I think I agree with that because I think you can offer the Clippers something over there where I feel like, you know, Middleton won a championship with the Bucs. They really were that team to give him that big opportunity. And he wouldn't turn down $40 million next year if he didn't have something in his back pocket. So, um, and then also to your point on uh, – who, who did you just mention that you were interested in? Oh, Jeremy Grant. Well, Jeremy Grant. Look, I think that Jeremy Grant's going to re-sign with the Blazers. I feel like that's going to be something that Dame is probably saying, you know. Hey, Unless like, you, you they gotta... trade Dame. Of course. Then, then obviously things take a totally different turn. But, man, that's why if you're the Blazers, it, it's tough because are you going to re-sign Jeremy Grant to a big deal – and then potentially trade Dame like the following year, and then you're going to be in a rebuild with Jeremy Grant making big time money. I don't know, but we've liked that fit of Jeremy Grant to the Pacers for a couple of years now. It just just feels like we can't pull it off. Mm. No, I I agree. It, it's just you're just kind of like trying to figure out how the Pacers can get themselves in here. But I just keep going back to when Horse said the Pacers are motivated enough they can get things done. Um, I, I want to see them that motivated. So let's see if it happens. Yep. Well, next question we have, Gavin said, do the Pacers go into free agency slash trades to find a starting small forward now that we've drafted Walker? And I said, I, I think they look to find a starting three or four. I'd anticipate Benedict and Nimhart still start next to Tyrese. So if they can't find a starting wing, they'll maybe let Jarrett start and bring someone else in to back him up. Um, they they could bring him off the bench. I don't necessarily think Jarrett's going to start from day one, Vaji. Neither do I. I think they'll bring someone in probably to play that for, have him play behind them. Um, but he's still going to get playing time for sure. And I think, you know, with his ability to defend that the way that he does, he's going to get on the court. He might even close out some games if he's able to really show the case that, yeah, I'm a rookie, but I can defend. But it's going to be challenging because it's hard to guard in this league, especially as a rookie. You're not going to get calls, that kind of thing. So, yeah, they're going to try to find one person, I think, to uh, solidify that starting lineup because I would be shocked if Matherin and Nimhard both aren't starting next year. So I think they're just missing their starting four, even though they did sign or draft Jairus Walker. I think they still got to find someone with a little bit more experience to kind of lead the way for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, we have a ton of confidence in Jairus Walker in the future, but 
as a seventh overall pick coming out of, you know, after your freshman year, I don't know if he's a hundred percent ready to be a day one starter. I would love for him to be that, but you know, the Pacers might bring him along slowly, similar to what we saw with Benedict Matherin, you know, from Carlisle, but as it relates to addressing the starting small forward position, it very well might have to be via trade because the Pacers have cap space. They have the assets to pull it off. And historically, we struggled in free agency. It feels like this is a pretty dry, unrestricted, small forward free agent market. Like Kuzma can play the three or the four, but he wants to be paid like a star. Mm-hmm. You could plug in Dylan Brooks, but look, at this point, like, yeah, he's going to want some solid money. Also a bit of a headache. And then, you look at some of the other ones like Kelly Oubre, like Kelly Oubre couldn't guard a mailbox. It's just good, good score. We don't need it. So then it, it comes down to just like Cam Johnson could play, you know, small forward. But like I said, Pacers are going to have a ton of competition there. So it's a little bit tricky. I think the Pacers look to upgrade the four spot more than they do the three. And if it works out, you could also do things like playing Jordan Awar or an Aaron Neesmith at the three as well, um, you know, just as options. I really think they got to find someone that can play both three and four. I agree. That way you have the optionality to play Jarris with that player. And then if you want to go more defensive minded over offensive minded for a possession or two, you can put Nimhard with Halliburton, your three or four that you bring in Jarris Walker, Miles Turner, and, and feel like you've got a pretty solid defensive group out there. Maybe Neesmith is a part of that group um, as well. And maybe you, you pull tie out for that one possession. If you're trying to get a defensive stop or something, but that to me is what I'm thinking in my mind. Like you want to get someone that can be a little bit of a hybrid that can play both the three and the four. Um, and that's kind of all the names they've been linked to have been those type of players. You haven't just seen someone that's strictly one position. So that's why I'm a little bit intrigued by some of the names we've heard attached to them, but yeah. Um, you want to keep it moving? Yep. All right. Tyler Christian said, who are the likeliest roster casualties to make room for more improvements in the off season? Duarte seems like the likeliest after drafting uh, Ben Shepard. Yeah, like I'd say Duarte, Tice, and then like at that point, I really just I don't know what they decide for Buddy. I mean, we we heard of the presser at the end of the season. They got to decide on a role for him. You also don't want to disrupt Halliburton in any way. Obviously, we know Halliburton is involved in decisions now. We saw him at a lot of these workouts. So it's a touchy situation, and Buddy's still a really good player. Then mm-hmm. after that group. I feel like Ijax is kind of on the cusp. He's that guy that I don't think, I don't feel 100% safe about. So to me, like when you're talking about at the center spot, Turner, Tice, Ijax, Jalen Smith, all duking it out for center, but obviously the, the, the later three are the ones that are really, you know, competing with each other. But when we saw Tice out there for those seven games, but it felt like way more than that, we didn't get to see then Ijax or Jalen at all. It felt like they were like, there was this rotation, like, okay, one guy's going to completely be out. So do we really envision Isaiah, you know, getting more playing time this year to, to develop on the fly? I don't really know. Um, I like him, but at this point it's, it's pretty tough. And then at, at that point, the, the roster spots, they're, they're limited to come by. So between like a Halliburton, McConnell, Nemhard, Matherin, Duarte, Ben Shepard, Buddy, that's a lot at the guard spots. And sure you can shift some over to the three, but I just feel like Duarte, Ben Shepard at that point could be kind of riding the bench if you're keeping everyone else there when I think you got to clean that up a little bit because we do want to see Ben Shepard. And I don't think we have that luxury of, hey, we're going to start Duarte to start the year just to get his value up. Like, we, we can't be doing that. 
Yeah, no, I basically said the casualties are one of Duarte or Buddy and then probably Tice. And yep. then maybe one of Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson. I think, yeah, you know, you could look, you could talk yourself into either one of those two guys. I mean, Jalen Smith, yeah, they brought him back. Yeah, I think he kind of makes more sense. Like, I think he showed more as a backup five than Isaiah. I'm um, just a little bit more steady, but Isaiah's got a higher upside. So I, I still feel pretty strongly in that take. But yeah, I think out of those five players, two to three of them are probably Mufachi. So that's where I'm at on so. that one. Um, and you pretty much hit everything else. Let's move on to question nine. All right, number nine, we have Garrett Bagg said, will we start Walker at the four and work through the growing pains or bring in another four to mentor for a year or two? We also had another question. Any other targets in free agency that makes sense now for such a full team? Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it. I said, I think Jairus likely comes off the bench to start the season. If they don't bring anyone else in, I'd still expect them to start Neesmith over him. Carlisle likes to make rookies earn their minutes and doesn't like to expose them too much uh, to too much early on. I think Harrison Barnes is the most likely of the available free agents, but I think Grant Williams is a legitimate candidate as well. You know, Boston yeah. Boston's recent moves indicate that there won't be playing time for Williams. Um, so I, I know a lot of Pacers fans are pretty hit or miss on him. I don't know what his money that he's going to be getting in free agency is, but he's defensive minded. He can guard threes and fours. He can shoot the ball. I think he makes sense. Um, you know, I think he's a good player. I, I don't get the hate for him. I know he's probably annoying to watch. That's 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 what you want to say. I get it. He can be kind of annoying. But, like, this dude did a pretty good job guarding Giannis just two years ago when the Celtics beat the Bucks in the semifinals uh, in seven games. So, you know what? He hit a lot of open threes. He was, like, 40%, I think, uh, from the three-point yep. line. So this is a guy that could make a lot of sense. And I think he's, like, a backup plan to Harrison Barnes if that falls through. So, I'm just keeping my eyes on Grant Williams because I don't know how big the contract would be, but he does make some sense. Yeah, no, he does. That is someone that we have. I don't remember who tweeted it out, but they actually said that, you know, the Pacers would be one of the teams interested in Grant Williams. Who knows if that's real or not, but I think that he does fill a position of need. I've read that at times. He's looking to command anywhere between that 15 and $20 million, which obviously we know the Pacers have money, but, at this point, to your point but that you mentioned before, I don't expect Jairus Walker to start right away. I think the Pacers will bring in someone just similar to what you said. If it is Harrison Barnes, hey, that's great. Grant Williams, I think, could be someone that doesn't need to be the, oh, this is our starting power forward for moving, you know, for the future and everything of that sort. I think that he is someone that could come off the bench. And, you know, the last couple of years, look, he shot 41% from three last year. The previous year, over 37%. Uh, you know, I, I think that there is more that he could be doing in an expanded role coming from Boston. That's obviously tough. But also, when you're talking about who could start at the four, look, Neesmith has that familiarity in the starting lineup and is also bringing defensive capabilities. So whoever is coming at the four, I think, has to have at least some defensive capabilities. Um, other than that, I, I think for any other free agents, I mean, I think we kind of touched on it. Look, if it's Harrison Barnes, that's great. Uh, if it is, if you're looking for a veteran, I've I've always had a soft spot for Jeff Green. I don't think he's going to solve much. <laughs> he's like 38 years old. I bro. know. Come on. I know. Look, I just, <laughs> I'm just throwing him in there in the mix. It's not going to be expensive. But then the other names that we talked about before, look, P.J. Washington, Rui Hachimura, I think the Pacers at least take a look. I don't know if they'll overpay for those guys, but we got to see kind of what those offers are, what their market is. But those are kind of the guys I expect the Pacers to at least take a look at. Mm -hmm, for sure. Let's move on to question 10. This comes from Gage. He said, what are your predictions for Jairus Walker in his first season? Averages and how he impacts the game with us. 
Side note, his personality seems like it fits amazingly with the Pacers. I could see him averaging roughly probably nine points, five boards, about a block per game. I think uh, it takes bigs a little bit longer to impact the game than some guards that could be putting up kind of uh, you know empty stats. I think that Jarris Walker's contributions are going to be on the defensive side and trying to win basketball games. I don't think he's going to be a featured scoring option. Hopefully, hopefully he is a starter at some point early on, but I don't think it's going to be a day one. And then I just think that we'll see him impact kind of guarding some threes and fours. You know, maybe, I don't know if he's been playing small ball five as, as a rookie or anything like that, but seven foot two wingspan, I think it's going to come in handy. And, you know, no offense to Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, but he's bringing about 30 plus pounds of size to be far more physical than both those guys have been. So, and then also when you talked about his personality, I mean, he's got outstanding character. He's going to put in the work. He's got a, a great smile and the stories that we already heard about him of, of, you know, contributing NIL money to walk-ons, giving his starting spot in, in high school to a, a senior. It's just things like that just shows that the Pacers love this guy on the court and they love him off the court, and you got nothing to worry about there, which is great to say. No, I uh, I totally agree with that. So I'm going to go here, Fachi. I think he averages 11.4 points per game. Okay. 5.7 rebounds per game. 2.9 assists per game. Whoa, all right. I'm going high for him. Okay. I think he's going to be a playmaker on that second unit. I think he's going to have the ball Immediately. in the same spot. All right. Uh, I'm going .8 steals per game and .7 blocks per game. So – Okay. I went all out. He's going to shoot an okay percentage from two, about 44%, which might be a little bit under the radar. I think you want to shoot yeah. around 50, but we've already kind of seen him have issues with that already. So I'm going to go 44%. And then I said uh, he'll probably shoot under 35% from three. So right under 35%. I think he'll be impactful from day one. He's a defender first, and that'll get him playing time. Could see Carlisle match him up against the best wing players throughout the year just to see how he handles the speed of the NBA, the size of the NBA, and the star whistle. I think all those are really impactful for rookies to kind of get that taste. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see him come off the bench, but I think at times you're gonna see him. Okay, we want to see you guard Giannis. We want to see you guard Kevin Durant. We want to see you guard these bigger name guys and see how you do. You know, you might get in foul trouble, you might struggle, but I wanna I wanna fail. Uh, want you to fail and see what you can you know need to work on to get better. You know, you don't get better by not failing. Everybody that fails, you learn from it. You learn from your mistakes, and that's how you become a better player. So that's what I think is gonna happen with him. Hey, great stats. I think I think Pacers fans would be thrilled by that. I don't think anyone is expecting him to average, you know, a double-double or 15 and 10 or anything of that sort. But those stats that you mentioned before is doing a little bit of everything. And mm -hmm. I think that everybody would be very happy with that, knowing that we're improving on the defensive end of things. Absolutely. Let's move on to our last question here, uh, Fachi. Question number 11 for the Mailbag Part 1. All right, we got Jeff Koo said, uh, feeling on the need to add another power forward, who would you want to target via free agency or trade? Feels like the smoke around Harrison Barnes makes sense and could be a very good veteran for this young core. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I said, yeah, via free agency, I think Barnes makes a ton of sense. We've already talked about that. Um, also intrigued by one name that you mentioned, PJ Washington, and another name I just mentioned, Grant Williams. So yeah, we're going to be repeating a lot of the same stuff here because there's not a lot of free agents that are like power forwards that we think could be somewhat realistic. So I'm going to throw those out there. I said, via trade, assuming OG isn't available, I'd look strongly at Dorian Finney-Smith. I've talked about him before. But if he's off the table, what are your thoughts on targeting someone 
like Marcus Morris, who's on an expiring Fachi. Uh, serviceable power forward who started in 65 games last year for the Clippers. Uh, be a one-year rental as Walker kind of gets adjusted to the NBA game. He is 33, but he shot over 36% from three of the last three seasons. Wouldn't be an overpay and could be a flippable contract at the deadline. Uh, to me, he's more of like a final option if the other options don't work out. But I'm just saying, like, we've talked about all these different scenarios. What if, like, Marcus Morris was trying to get traded to the Wizards, right? And uh, the, the the deal fell through because of Brogdon's medical. So could he still be like, yeah, get me out of here. I want a bigger role, whatever. He starts with the Pacers for the year. They trade him at the deadline. Let Walker kind of finish out the rest of the year as that power forward. Trade him to a contending team, maybe pick up an asset. I think that could make somewhat a little bit of a sense to me if they're unable to get some of these guys in free agency. I honestly really like that because I do think the Clippers are ready to punt on Marcus Morris. I don't think that he's part of their core by any means. I think they're looking to make some changes. And yeah, for a one-year rental, I like it because let's be honest, guys, this isn't the year. It's it's the year to take a step forward, but we don't have to be just throwing the bag at someone to be like, all right, let's win now. Here's $30 million. So I do like Marcus Morris as a one-year rental. Uh, yeah, Jeff, look, it, it is getting smoky around here. So grab that fire extinguisher because uh-huh, the Harrison Barnes stuff, it, it, it could be real. It could be real. Um, but compared to the other guys that we mentioned, who's just wants too much money for me? I don't feel comfortable giving him 25 to $30 million on a four-year deal. Cam Johnson, look, it'd be fun. It'd be great. I'm, I'm intrigued. If it works out, I'll be happy with it. Uh, other than that, Grant Williams, that you mentioned before, look, That'd be another good signing as well. But Marcus Morris just feels like the, hey, this can get us by for a year as we bring Jarris Walker along. And then the Pacers continue to keep that flexibility on the books moving forward. That excites me. Yeah, so here's a trade idea for you just real quick. Um, Yeah. So it would be Marcus Morris, the Pacers 2024 second that they traded to the Clippers, and a 2027 second from Memphis. For Daniel Tyson, Chris Duarte. Okay. So we're basically punting on Duarte. So it's Duarte uh, and Tice. And then we're getting Marcus Morris. Morris. We're getting our second round pick back. Two seconds. Yeah. I I, I honestly, I think I'd do it just because Tice is just clogging up a spot right now. He really is. And I I think that I understand that it's kind of like, it's almost like a addition by subtraction in terms of like you're getting rid of two guys to clean up the rotation. You're getting some additional assets. I know for, if there's Duarte lovers out there, you're definitely thinking this return is not enough, but I I honestly, I I like it in terms of just simplifying things, getting us through for a year. Because let's be honest at this point, do you envision Chris Duarte getting a second contract with the Pacers? Not really. No. And I think this could make some sense for the Clippers because you know, Eric Gordon's on an expiring contract. Yep. They could trade him. Uh, you still need some backup depth there. Amir Coffee, they just traded, I believe, to Your the boy. Wizards. I like Amir Coffee. You can't ever go wrong with getting some coffee. But nope. I think that could make some sense, you know. So you bring Chris Duarte in the trade. Uh, obviously, you hate that, but you just got Ben Shepard. You got Nimhard. You got you keep Buddy Hield in this situation. Buddy continues to play as a six-man off the bench next to TJ McConnell. You got Neesmith off the bench. Uh at the three, you got Jordan Moore out there. You've got your other centers and Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Then you still got Ben Shepard that can come in maybe after learning a year behind Buddy and Benedict and Nimhard and those guys and be ready to go by year two. I just kind of think it makes a little bit of sense for consolidation. Um, you get a couple extra second round picks in there. It's not a very sexy move at all, but 
it's more of like a okay, we tried everything, we 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 kicked on the tires on all these different options, nothing really worked out for us. Let's go this route and keep our flexibility. You take about three to four million dollars back for the Clippers in this trade because the salaries are a little bit lopsided. So it, it just it just kind of made a little bit of sense to me. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting trade. I'm sure there'll be some people that are against it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that are for it. But, you know, for the Clippers, hey, uh, Tice not having a dollar guaranteed on that second year left of the deal or the final year, that'll be appealing to them. And I think for us to get some more, I mean, I don't know how many second-round picks you want, but they'll come in handy eventually because we saw how they came in handy with Phoenix making that deal for Beal. They were able to throw in like six second-rounders well, the Pacers are stockpiling second round picks at this point. I think that would be helpful. But to then be able to just move in to be able to say, okay, now we have another roster spot available. How do we want to use it? To me, that's even more appealing. Absolutely. Well, Fachi, that's the end of part one. We're not going to go through the rundown of where to follow us. So just if you're listening to this on Sunday night, thank you so much for checking it out right away. If you waited till Monday morning, well, now you can go over and check out part two because that's going to be available at eight o'clock for you. So Fachi, just want to say if you're excited for part two of the mailbag, then what do you do? Hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need